Welcome to the IgniteCast, bringing faith, community, and pop culture to young people wherever they are. My name is Martin. My name is Kevin. Alright, and Kevin, how was your week? It was good. Yeah? Uh, pretty much, like, pretty, pretty light compared to, like, the past few days. I just only had, like, a one-in-one with, with Tito George, and that was about it. And I'm like, I'm the only one holding down the fort. I'm not doing a good job. All the fort, full-time pastor workers are on mission at the Christie's and the Maritimes. On her way to the Maritimes, Alice is in Malta. Kujal's on his way to Bermuda. He should be there by now. I'm the only full-time pastor worker here. You're here stuck with me. Yep. Not the best. Not yeah, the best. It's a very sad state of affairs. But Kevin is the king of the castle right now. Jester. Tito Ricky is here. Yep. <laughs> um, yesterday, I was at uh, my niece's, my baby niece's baptismal uh, orientation. I was asked to be a godfather. It's my first time. And the priest, he was making really, really bad jokes. It was only supposed to be 30 minutes long, but he went on for like nearly an hour and a half. I swear, I just wanted to dip my baby niece on the baptismal font and just say that she was baptized. But I would be excommunicated. But it would be valid. Right. <laughs> You'll be excommunicated But it'd be valid, right? If you did the Trinitarian formula, yeah Yeah, there we go So, yeah I'm pretty excited about it So, Kevin, what's our uh, topic for today? So today, we'll be talking about the Shroud of Turin The Shroud of Turin? What's yeah. the Shroud of Turin? <laughs> I have no idea what it is Well, um, just basing this off like random knowledge As far as I know, it's the burial cloth or linen of Jesus Christ so, like, in Jewish tradition, when you die, you're supposed to be, like, wrapped in this white cloth. Um, and so this is the relic, what we believe, by tradition, to be the actual rel- the actual cloth that covered Jesus. Actually, on the contrary, it's not believed by tradition. Oh, it's not? Yeah. Now, see, I told you, I have no idea yeah, what It's this. not believed by tradition, but the church hasn't made an official statement. Um, but many faithful do hold the Shroud of Turin as the real burial cloth of Jesus Christ. So what we're going to be talking about is the Shroud of Turin, but not exactly the Shroud of Turin. That, that, that's kind of like the side thing that we're talking about. What we're talking about is the corporal. Do you know what the corporal is, Kevin? Uh, the corporal is that white cloth you use for mass. Um, it's supposed to, like when, when the, the body of Christ, like the crumbs, when it falls, the particles fall, it's supposed to be the one that catches it. Yeah. So... That, yeah, it's an alt- altar linen. That's what it is. That's very important that we're going to stick with. It's a white linen cloth. Okay. Um, and on it, it's basically, think of it as a placemat. So if, you are, if you've never been on the altar during Mass, you won't really see it from sitting in the pews. But it's supposed to be like a placemat where the priest would put the chalice, the paten, the ciborium, um, basically all the, the, all the things he needs for uh, consecration. Um, and as well as the hosts, so the the bread and the wine, um, and that's where they're placed. So, um, why we want to discuss this, and why well, really, why we decide to choose this topic, uh, it goes back to our source and summit of the faith. CCC no CCC one three two four, which is the Eucharist is the source and summit of our faith, Christian life, Christian life. <laughs> same thing (laughs) yeah uh we're talking about the eucharist that's where everything will boil down to so many of us uh, i think growing up i'd always i've always thought that the eucharist was a meal um it is yeah it is but it's also many other things it 
Well, it is a meal. It is a sacrifice as well. Yeah. So we're going to be talking about the sacrifice aspect of the Eucharist because not many of us actually do see the Eucharist as sacrifice. Yeah. For those who don't know, we're also recording live on... Oh, Periscope. On Periscope. Yes. So the ones, the people who are on Periscope, you'll hear the unedited version. Yeah. The podcast. It's the very messy version. Yep. The 40 minute version. So we're going to uh, back, go back in time. So let's just, just join us as we, as we travel back in our time machine. We go back to when Jesus just died and we go to when he was buried. All four gospels, they talk about a man named Joseph of Arimathea. Yeah. In some accounts, he would be called the rich disciple. In others, he'd be a member of the Sanhedrin. So the Sanhedrin is the Jewish uh, council. Of the Pharisees. The law. They interpreted the law. Uh, He was a member of the Sanhedrin uh, who desired for a proper burial for Jesus. Or he was also a member of the Sanhedrin who took pity. So there's no uh, definite answer as to who Joseph of Arimathea was, but we know that he was Joseph of Arimathea. Yeah. That's his name in all the accounts. And he was from Arimathea. Yeah, I guess so. The Gospel of John is an interesting gospel because it's the most uh, detailed account of the burial. Jewish uh, writer, Eusebius, he was the first guy to write about the early history of the church. So this was around the, the, the 300s. Fun fact about the Gospel of John, it's the last book of the New Testament. Did you know that? Written. Is, is yeah, it? it is. So it's the last book of the New Testament to be written. Preface, we're not experts, okay? We, we're, our research is limited to Wikipedia. And, no, no, uh, no, 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 no. <laughs> Really bad research. Where? I go on like other stuff. Like there we go. Stuff. Okay, go. Yeah, yeah. So it was the last book of the New Testament to be written. It's the last of the Gospels after St. Paul, after the, the, the book of Revelations, which John also wrote. So the, the book of John is everything John had watched um, after Christ. This is like his collective experience. And, you know, Eusebius says that John was very familiar with the three other Gospels. Okay, he was very familiar with uh, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And he wanted to add things he thought were left out. And he also wanted to correct things he thought that were a bit misunderstood. So that's that's a big um, you know we'll, we'll, that'll be our back our backbone for this for this talk. Okay. Yeah. So the the pretty much John. This is like John's uh, autobiography, if you will, if of you Jesus. will, of Jesus and of his experience with Jesus. That's true. But like out of all the four gospels, this is the most the- theological and the most detailed. I'm not so sure. It's the most detailed. Yeah, because Mark's the shortest, so that's as far as I know. Let's uh, go back to uh, John chapter 20, verse 3 to 9, um, and it is the burial of Jesus Christ. Peter and the other disciples started for the tomb. Both were running, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent over and looked in at the strips of linen lying there, but did not go in. Then Simon Peter came along behind him and went straight into the tomb. He saw the strips of linen lying there, as well as the cloth that had been wrapped around Jesus' head. The cloth was still lying in its place, separate from the linen. Finally, the other disciple, who had reached the tomb first, also went inside. He saw and he believed. The disciples have heard news that Jesus' body was nowhere to be found. They thought it was stolen. They thought uh, probably 
taken by the Romans. There's, Jesus a, new, has. there's a new movie about this. Uh, Risen. Risen. Yeah, I haven't yeah. watched it yet. Uh-huh. With uh, uh-huh. Joseph Fiennes, Lord Voldemort's uh, brother. Is it? Yeah. I need to watch that. Anyway, go ahead. Um, yeah, so we're going to break down that uh, gospel bit by bit. There's two primary characters in the gospel. Uh, there's Peter, right? St. Peter and the other disciple. Now, like what Kevin said, the other disciple is... John. But we actually, we don't, we don't know if it's John. It's just an assumption. The logical reason why we think it's John, it's, it's four reasons. The first is, well, whoever wrote the gospel was familiar with um, the conditions of, of that period especially in the time of Christ. Number two, he spoke Aramaic and Greek. Greek was the, let's say, you know, when you go to the airport right now, uh, the year 2016, you go to Singapore, you go to Hong Kong, you go to Japan, you see English, right? So Greek was the uh, mother tongue of everyone there. So this guy knew how to... During how to, this time, yes. Yeah. This guy knew how to, do, how to speak Greek. He also knew how to speak Aramaic, so the language of Christ. Uh, the third thing, he knows Jerusalem. So Rome, in the year 70 AD, destroyed Jerusalem. So this guy, whoever is the author of John, knew what Jerusalem looked like before this period. So we could likely know that this person was from uh, that time period. And the fourth reason is that he gives countless details um, details that aren't mentioned anywhere else in the th- in the three Gospels. So those are the reasons why uh, we think it's John. Now, why is that important? Why is it important that John be the, the author? Okay, the author gives us reliable information that was in fact what he saw rather than being information passed from oral tradition like the other Gospels. So basically, there are, there are, there's details in the Gospel of John that aren't mentioned in the three Gospels. There's a lot. There's Yeah, there's quite a few. Yeah. Mark's is the shortest. I, does he even he mentions it? Barely mentions it. Um, oh, which one? Uh, the burial of Christ. The details. I don't, I don't remember. I looked at all of them before before did. we did this. Good for you. Yeah. I didn't. <laughs> I should have. Yeah, you should, man. Uh, but John is the most detailed, and there's details he says he, he puts in there that that's not anywhere found in Luke, uh, Mark, or Matthew, and that's important because if it is John, then we know that what he's saying here is in fact the real thing. So let's go back to the Bible verse. The disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent over and looked in at the strips of linen lying there but did not go in. Um, He sees something strange. That's the first thing. Why do we know he sees something strange? Uh, In the account that he looks, he goes in, he's the first one to run into the tomb, sees what's inside, and he decides to not go in. He sees something out of the ordinary. Um, this, this is a man that respects Peter. He, res- he respects the authority of Peter. He respects the fact that Peter um, is of a special... Uh, As a special anointing. Yes. So he lets Peter go in first. He, lets, he waits for Peter to come in and check it out first before John comes in. Now, what does John see? Several things. He sees strips of linen. So that means there was three or more articles of fabric. If we count the, the face cloth... We count the strip of lin- the strips of linen. He won't say strips of linen if it was just one piece of body cloth, right? It would be just linen, but he says strips of linen. So we know it's three or more. Two or more. It's three or more. It's three or more. So the strips of linen and the face cloth is separate from the strips of linen. No, okay. This is why you read before beforehand, Kev. So it insinuates that there's three or more articles of fabric. Now, all this information, by the way, isn't just like me pulling out of a hat. This is uh, sourced from the confraternity of the passionist. Uh, the Passion. Okay, so if you guys ever heard of the the Passionist Order, so a lot of, all of this information is coming from them. Like I said, there's three or more articles of fabric. Now, there are relics today in the modern uh, world here in 2016 um, that are purported to be those those fabrics. Do you know what they are, Kev? The Shroud of Turin and um, the Sud- 
Sidarium of Oviedo. Yes. So the shut turn is the Sidarium of Oviedo. So the most famous one out of those two. I know you had a hard time pronouncing that uh, yeah, second, the, one, the uh, second one. But yeah, the second one. But the Shroud of Turin, I know. Yeah, because everyone was a Shroud of Turin. You see it. it should be. You see it at like uh, churches. You see like... Uh, Wasn't this discussed in like the Da Vinci Code or something? No. No? It wasn't. The Holy Grail. Never mind. It's a yeah, different topic. It's a different topic. We'll do the Holy Grail next time. Yeah, but... um. The Strada Turin is the most famous one. It's in Turin, Italy right now. It's 14.3 by 3.7 feet. Um, and in it is, you know, if you look at it, it's pretty much a huge piece of cloth. There's blood, blood stains. Um, and there's a faint image of a crucified man. We know it's crucified because uh, forensics have checked it out as a crucified man. Um, and it's imprinted. This image of the man is imprinted on top on the top layer of the fabric. It's not through the entire layer of the fabric. It's just the the surface, um, and it produces a negative when you expose it to negative light. Or if you do it on Photoshop, you can find just a picture of the shroud and uh, invert it. Um, there has been a lot of controversy with the shroud of Turin. There's been studies on this uh, piece of cloth. Okay, they've dated the shroud as a medieval fake. Mm-hmm. Now, the last dating of the shroud was, I believe, the, the 80s or um, early 2000s. I'm not exactly sure on that. There has been a lot of uh, discredited uh, unreliability on these datings because uh, a lot of artwork has surfaced of the early church. A lot of artwork has showed up where they show the shroud of Turin, um, the same image, the same man on that, on that cloth, and it predates the original date. Or the date that the carbon dating says it was. Yeah. So there's a lot of evidence to back up that the shroud was way before. And also, um, you know, the shroud, we're going to talk about how the shroud was used in the early church because it did have a very, very big role if we go by the, the early documents. But the shroud um, would, was used as an altarpiece. You know, uh, people would kiss it. People would breathe on it. They would, you know, uh, they would venerate the shroud. So a lot of people touched this. Um, and that could be a big cause as to why dating is messed up. Right. Mm, okay. So, yeah. So that's that's pretty much the the where we're at now. There's no studies being done on the Shroud of Turin, but that's where it's at. Now the second uh, piece of cloth was the Sudarium of Oviedo. Now the Sudarium of Oviedo, not many people know about, but it is a blood-stained piece of cloth. So think of uh, the size of a handkerchief, mm-hmm. uh, located in Oviedo, Spain, and it is attributed as the face cloth, as to when Christ, uh, the face cloth of Christ when he died. Okay, so if you look at the sudarium, it's literally, literally just blood on so, this thing. So this is not the one that was used by Veronica to wipe no. Jesus. No, 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 no. This is known as the burial cloth. So okay. it's a separate. Okay. Yeah, separate. Just making sure. Yes. So um, there's no markings on the uh, on the sudarium. Uh, similar, uh, unlike the shroud. So it's really just blood. If you Google, you Google this, you're just gonna see nothing. We'll, we'll include the. Yeah, we'll have uh, show notes. The the, the yeah, links. The name, yeah, links too. Yeah, so it's really just blood. Um, now, for Jew- Jewish burial custom, they used linen and linen only. They would never use cotton. They would never use. I don't know. They would have polyester. <laughs> but <laughs> but is it like linen and like cotton? No. 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 What? I don't difference? know. I don't know what fabric linen is, but linen and linen, linen and cotton. Um, I think the only reason why I know <laughs> cotton is very different from linen is that if you jump into a cold uh, pool with cotton shirt you'd die of hypothermia whereas linen won't kill you <laughs> fun okay. fact i'm gonna google this yeah both fabrics are linen so in jewish tradition even up till now linen is the only permitted cloth 
used uh, ah. in Jewish burial custom. There you go. It's made uh, made from flax. Flax, not cotton. There we go. Um, besides both having, uh, you know, being made out of linen, the sudarium actually has more credence that it's in the in the period of Christ, mm-hmm. right? There's there's evidence to show that it, yeah, it's it's much older than the shroud. Um, but if both of them were the exact same cloth, then it makes sense for them to to have you know uh, material from the same area, which they do. They contain uh, traces of pollen from the same area in Jerusalem. Okay. Um, both fabrics also contain uh, human blood, like we said, and both of them are AB. Type blood type AB. Yeah, blood type AB. Okay. Um, but there's a major difference in the chemical makeup. Uh, the blood on the shroud is known to be postmortem blood. So this is blood that is after death. So when uh, when the body, so the crucified body, when it's taken down a few hours later, blood uh, from the rest of the from the corpse will filter down to you know whatever closest point of gravity is and it'll stay there and it'll settle so the blood on the shroud is post-mortem right this is blood that has been um, shown to be coming from someone that's already been dead mm-hmm. whereas the sudarium of oviedo has blood that comes from someone that has recently just died or is alive or was alive at the time okay now this is actually very interesting because in jewish custom before someone dies you cover their face out of respect you can turn away uh, from someone if you're embarrassed right you have that ability but if you're dead you can't so whoever is living does that for you by putting a cloth in front of your face uh, yeah they they refrain from showing oh, the as face. a sign of respect as a sign of I respect thought this was just like no, they still respected the the criminals okay okay um so on february 5th 2015 uh dr alfonso sanchez hermosilia a specialist in forensic medicine uh stated in an annual conference of the international center of cytonology uh, that the stains of the sudarium of Oviedo coincide with those of the Shroud of Turin. Mm-hmm. All right. Now, what does that mean? They're from the same thing. Yeah, they're from the same thing. They're from the same uh, source. So we know it's a face cloth. We know it was from the face of a person. He aligned it with the Shroud of Turin, and the blood spots match. Okay, they were the exact same blood spots in the same areas, and the way they dispersed would be expected of cloth being layered on top of one another. So that was a big um, breakthrough in terms of research with the shroud. Most likely, they were from the same source, from the same place, from the same time period, coming from the same person. What we don't know is whether or not it was Jesus Christ. And even if it was a fake, modern science has no explanation as to how the image was made. You know uh, topography maps for uh, geologists? Yeah. There, there's 3D information in the image. They can extract 3D information. Does it look like the white Jesus that we see? No, it's no. not. It's a fully Aramaic Palestinian man. So a Jewish guy. It's a Jewish guy. Okay. So that was pretty interesting. Not white Jesus. Then. Yeah, no, not, not white Jesus, not white Jesus. So let's go back to the Gospels and do a checklist. Okay, let's do a roll call. So on the Gospel of John, the cloth that had been wrapped around Jesus' head. Check. Okay, we got that. The cloth was still lying in its place, separate from the linen. The linen being the body wrap. Check. Yeah, so there's uh, there's two pieces of cloth. Yep. Now, um, there's an outlier. In the account, it says there were strips of linen. Okay, so remember, the face cloth is described as separate from the linen. Strips of linen implies plural, but we only have the shroud. So what's the third? What's the third? What's the third cloth? There's no cloth, so maybe it's a fake. So all this is a waste. Thank you for listening to the Nightcast. My name is Martin. My name is Kevin. Peace. All right, no, we're faking. So there actually was there. There's a third. There's a third cloth. What? Yeah, there's a third cloth. So the shroud actually is cut in two parts. On one side of the shroud 
is a long strip of fabric that has been cut from the shroud and it was sewn back in. So at some point, it was separate. Now, why, why is that? For it to be a relic, they would just sew it together. Exactly. But why would that cut? What was the purpose of that strip? It, I don't know, to cover the side? Okay. So um, based on the research of uh, the Confraternity of the Passion, but also um, findings of ancient Jewish burial practices, Mm-hmm. You need to wrap the body with something. <laughs> you can't just lay cloth on something and like call it a day and walk out. That's true. You know, you need to wrap it. Okay. So sense. they would cut cloth because you know they don't want to waste cloth, and they just wrap it around the body. Uh, now, the the early Christians, like you said, probably if they want to, if they wanted to venerate this as a relic, they would obviously keep it. Yep. And as one. Back. Yep. As one. Exactly. Rather than multiple ones. Yeah. So. That that's that's pretty much a case as to why there's a there's a strip there's a there's a cut strip. So now we have three pieces of cloth. It makes sense. There are strips of cloth, and there's the face cloth uh, with its by itself, as described with the Gospel of John. So we have all three. Now, what does this have to do with our our topic? No idea. No idea. We're gonna get there. Finally. So. Um, <laughs> There's, there's evidence, like I said earlier, there's evidence of the shroud being used by the early Christians for worship, i.e. an altar cloth. Yep. Okay. Makes sense. Um, whether the shroud is real or not, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if the shroud was a real relic. Whether or not we know it's the real shroud, there was still evidence of the early Christians, our forebearers, our early brothers and sisters, using the shroud in the early forms of our worship in the Mass. I'll say they used it. They used it. So this is just by tradition. This is by tradition now. Small okay. T, not capital T, right? Well, what do you mean T? Capital T is like doctrine, dogma. This is just small T. This is what they did. I don't know how I would classify that. There's just evidence from like art and... Yeah, that they use it. So yeah. I'd say small T. And the Crusaders venerated it too. Small T then. Okay. Small All t. right. So whether or not it was the real thing, in our history as the church, our, our, our predecessors have used it. In, in worship. Mm-hmm. Now, let's fast forward to today. The priest uses the corporal as a tablecloth, right? I put tablecloth lightly. No, no. There's a there there's still like a cover for it. Yeah. This is the one where you the corporal is where the the chalice and the ciborium or the paten are placed on top of during the consecration. Because yes. there's an altar cloth yeah, there's the an altar cloth. Now this the the it's like a handkerchief. It's like a yeah. This is like the one they pull out right when you start the the liturgy of the Eucharist. Yeah, so they pull that out, lay it on top, and I'd always describe it as a tablecloth. I, I as as a, sorry as a placemat. As a placemat. There we go. Placemat. It's yeah, a placemat. That's better. It's like, a placemat um, for the the masses effects. So yep. we put our hosts, our wine, etc. And in conjunction with the pall, so the pall is a stiff um, board. Yeah, this is where you put the thing in it no it's uh, yeah it's a stiff board that you cover the chalice with yes yeah you cover the chalice with it's it it's a very practical oh yeah, yeah, yeah purpose yeah, yeah, yeah. right this is the one that covers everything from like dust and particles coming into the the blood um but the patent as well is uh it's made out of linen and the corporal is made out of linen like we like we mentioned a while ago in jewish burial tradition it's very important that it be linen the same way we have in our uh, in our worship, these cloths are linen. On them and through them, the offerings become the body and blood of our Lord. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. The corporal becomes, in a way, a vessel in itself in the act of transubstantiation. 
Big word. Right? Explain. Transubstanti- What's transubstantiation, Kevin? <laughs> it's uh, th- this is the way the church defines it when the bod- the bread and wine turns into the body and blood of Christ. So this is the literal body and blood of Christ. Yes. 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 This the, is Jesus. This is the real presence. This is Catholic, Jesus. This is what you believe. The Lamb of God who takes away the, the sins, sins of, of the, the world. world. Have mercy on us. Amen. People describe the resurrected Jesus as different, right? There was something yeah. different about him. He's alive. <laughs> yeah, but that, but they didn't recognize him. Initially. Initially. So there has to be something different about him. Yeah. Right? There was just something. It was still him, but there was something different about him. Now, when, when the bread and the wine are transubstantiated, there is something different about them as well. Yep. Right? In, they, in substance, like in, in its very essence, it's different now. But like physically, you see it's the same thing, but it's different. Yeah. So the shroud, the shroud received the corpse covered it and gave us a resurrected lord yes the corporal and the paul receive mere bread and wine it's covered it and it gives us our resurrected lord that's true all right so the corporal and the paul are both linen cloths they must be linen cloths keeping with the tradition of our early brothers and sisters yep same symbolism exactly so and here's the the final thing before we end it the corporal the word corporal itself comes from the Latin word corpus, which is which means body. Body. So in in a in a full uh, full comes full circle. Yeah. When it comes full circle, the corporal is rooted back to our tradition of using the shroud as to hold the body and blood of Christ, which it's all with all with you know in the stories of the the gospels it it fits, and we see it in liturgy in the mass. Yeah. Boom. All right. Mic drop. So every day, every day throughout the world, we experience the very moment of burial and resurrection. Yeah. And, you know, like the disciples, we need to have the same urgency to run towards God, to run towards Mass. I agree. Right? In, in anxiety and fear and confusion and joy. Numerous emotions must have been felt that day. Um, but like the beloved disciple, we need to come to the same conclusion, to see what he saw and believe. Because that's what he did. That's what he did. At the very last sentence of that gospel, he just saw what he saw and he believed. Amen. And that is it for this podcast. Any shout outs? Um, we have people on Periscope. You have questions, guys? Tito Vic is there. He says, oh. God bless you always, guys. All right. Let's like read, read the messages. That's the only one. Oh, Tito, okay. like, you have any questions, guys? Shout out to okay, I, I have a, I have a shout out. I have a shout out. That I'm going to read actually a message from somebody. I have another one, but we'll do it for the next episode. Okay. So this is coming from uh, Kimberly Algarme from Pennsylvania. USA. Yes. And her message is, hello, guys. I just listened to an episode of the Ignite cast for the first time. Recommended to me by Gabe Cajes. <laughs> Thank you for instilling inspiration in my heart. Praise God for you. Send my regards to the rest of the team prayers for the continued success of your mission to spread the gospel and also wherever you are in your spiritual journey i'm happy to have crossed paths with you once again god bless awesome thanks, thanks. kim thanks kim thanks kim thank you it means a lot i have another one but yeah. i'll read it for the next episode so we have something okay uh <laughs> shout outs to nadia and joy yes from new jersey exactly and they're listening right now on our um on our periscope on our periscope and to philip Philip Isidro, Isidro of Toronto. Who was there? The, very <laughs> the guy has been following us. And Tito Vic, who just like gave us... Uh, I don't know who else is online. So just like type so- something. I'll give you a shout out. Yeah. yeah, That's about it. That's about it. Yeah. So that was... A, what do you think of the topic? Really good. Really, there's... 
it only affirms me of the beauty of the Catholic faith that a lot of the things a lot of people don't understand in our faith that everything has meaning. So even like the smallest, even thing, the smallest thing, like even the the, the placemat, <laughs> even the placemat <laughs> during mass has meaning, and it's all connected. Like, thousands of years, thousands of years of tradition. Yeah, thousands of years of history. Yeah, and like it just shows me shows to me that you know we can't live our faith like minim- minimalistically. Like, you know, because, like, you look at church now, like, they tend to remove a lot of the symbols because, like, you know, you want to be more modern. But the Catholic faith isn't that. It's it's the fullness of tradition. It it, it, it engages your senses. So your sight, your the sound, the smell, everything. You taste it, you experience it. Like, you know, you taste and see the goodness of the Lord. Literally, right? And so, like, this is just, like, one of those things that, like, huh, I never knew that. But it affirms yeah, me of I, the beauty of our faith. I didn't know this either until I, uh... Looked it up and Thank you. Found out about it. Thank you, Martin. Thank oh, oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Before I forget, happy birthday to um, Kimberly. Re- Kimberly, is it Kimberly? Kimberly Reyes. You're so bad with your name. <laughs> I know, Reyes. Yes, Kimberly Reyes. Kimberly Reyes, of? Switzerland. So, happy birthday to our homegirl in Switzerland from Geneva, Switzerland, Kimberly Reyes. You're 22. You're getting old. I know about you. Join us. You're 22. <laughs> See you at SFC Icon next All year. Right. Ooh. All right. And that is it for this Ignite cast. <laughs> My name is Martin. My name is Kevin. And this is us signing off.